Warning, this podcast contains material that may be too spooky for younger audiences, and some material that may be too absurd for older audiences. If you're among the living, we've been waiting for you. We are the hapless heroes. Sorry, you're such a loser. Um, I was hungry. Hello and welcome to the Hapless Heroes Spooktacular Special 2021. My name is Phil, and I hopefully will spook you tonight, hopefully thrill you with our illustrious cast of characters. And we're going to do something a little bit different. As you know, when we have people who can't make it to an episode um, we try to spin off and oftentimes create new characters, interns. We've got all kinds of people now. And what I'm going to try to do tonight is tie some of those groups together um, and hopefully fill in some of the blanks as far as what is happening around the planet at the same time as our heroes. So we are going to first start by introducing our cast. And to my left... We have Zach. Who are you playing? Uh, hey, uh, I'm I'm playing Liger Silver Slaughter. I can eat a whole turkey in one bite. <laughs> he sure can. He sure can. <laughs> and to his left, we have John. Who are you playing tonight? I'll be back as Hondo, and I'm almost out of booze. Hondo the Immortal? Immortal, oh. yep, merciless. Okay, we shall see. To his left, we have Francesco. Who are you going to play? I'm back as Gobwinkler, Greasy Bum. To his left, Dave. Hello. I'm Sardellum Rook, and I appear to still be a potted plant. (laughs) And to round out our slightly smaller party, we have a brand new character played by Nicole. Shh, tiny narrator will give away Andrew the Orc Assassin's hiding spot. <laughs> Excellent. So what we Amazingly have Amazingly self-aware. <laughs> uh, we have three monsters and two characters that you may remember from our Shadowfell arc. And I those... Think, Go I think Hondo can sometimes be classified as a monster as well, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he jump kicked. What is he? He like drop kicked an elderly lady. woman. <laughs> yeah, that's just that one was maybe of the one of the funniest things that happened on the podcast in general. <laughs> well, um, for those listeners out there who want to check back, those are episodes one forty five through one fifty two, uh, where we introduced uh, a couple couple of players, um, and actually the group there 
from the Shadowfell ended up walking through a portal and ending up in a workshop cave that turned out was on a mountainside in the Crucible Lands. Uh, the Ashen Wastes, where a swirling maelstrom of purple energy and dark magic was uh, clouding the sky. Everything was kind of a burnt umber, um, desolate wasteland kind of scenescape. And yes, indeed, through our introduction, you heard that Sir Delam Rook, a uh, warlock of the Raven Queen. I would consider myself more of a knight, but sure, whatever floats your boat, call me what you will. Yes, I am a member of the Obsidian Order, if I'm not mistaken. Had accidentally turned himself into a potted plant. Um, one who could still talk and still gesture with its limbs or leaves, <laughs> but in all other respects was immobilized and uh, requested fertilization. <laughs> Not that kind, you perverts. <laughs> we, we did end with uh, Hondo dropping trow, didn't we? <laughs> I can't. I can't quite remember, but that seems in character. <laughs> We've had numerous untold stories since that day, and if I'm being perfectly honest, at least three out of five include you dropping trow. So I don't really feel like it's all that special anymore. Also, was Obsidian Order a uh, purposeful uh, Deep Space Nine reference, or is that just a? Uh... No, I think it was actually a older reference to something else that, that would have only. Oh, did Deep Space Nine reference something? No, no, no. Um, so, like, I knew some people in high school, and we, you know, as kids in high school do, they think they're way funnier than they really are. And at some point, um, the group we were with started referring to ourselves as the Absurdian Order. Uh, <laughs> amazing. Well, uh, <laughs> speaking of absurd, wow. I wish I knew you in high school, Dave. <laughs> no, no, you don't. I didn't oh, even want to know. We would have been school. really good friends <laughs> if we knew each other in high school. I'm pretty positive. Well, we're all friends now. And isn't that really what matters? Yes. No, now we're enemies, is what I'm saying. Like me and Dave. <laughs> now. <laughs> now you're dead. You're dead meat. <laughs> Um, so Hondo and Sir Delam were not alone in this workshop. They had two other comrades with them, a halfling rogue, Rovin Tossbottom, and a tiefling cleric named Malek. And with not much else than some rubble and random debris in this workshop, the portal had been closed behind you. You were now faced with no booze and no food. Malek. We were we were looking into how to make uh, cupcakes or brownies out of the undead. I think yes, is. yes. Oh, Thank yes. you for pointing That's that right. out because one of your acquisitions from your escapade in the Shadowfell was a one. Uh, what was it? Nibble Nibble Namakan, or as I like to call it, the Necronom Nom Nom. And you were reading these evil necromantic recipes, trying to figure out how to make zombie cupcakes. 
<laughs> wait, wait, can God we damn. just go back? Can, can, can we now henceforth refer to it as the Necro Omnomnomicon? <laughs> <laughs> I think it goes by many names. Depends on uh, who you ask. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Its lore is deep. <laughs> um, so. And rich and flavorful. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's Unctuous, a cookbook. Don't make say. it more than it is. Um, even glancing out the mouth of this cave, you see that most of the flats of this ashen wasteland is saturated with undead. Um, even amongst the thick clusters of zombies and titans and skeletons, there are some winged uh, creatures as well that are just kind of like surveying and circling as they are making their way west uh, closer to Scrag and the continuation of the forces that are happening there. Um, suddenly, as you're in this cave, you're with Sir Delenbrook, there's a rumbling, and it feels as if the entire mountainside is starting to tremble. Um, somewhere in the back of this cave, you hear a bunch of cracking as it splits open and a noxious gas is starting to leak out from the back of this cave. Oh, and no. It's burning. It's seething with just soot, like breathing in coal, except it burns. What is Hondo doing? Rovin and, and uh, Malek had gone out in search of food, so they left about an hour ago. Um. It's just Hondo in the plant right now. Right. I'm trying to make sure that he doesn't have any kind of, uh, I don't think he has any kind of resistances to poison or anything like that. Um, can I ask a question so, really quick? Yeah. Now the plant, um, <laughs> do we have, can we get like more of a description on like it's, it's demeanor and like appearance does it have like googly eyes does it like just like <laughs> rattle a little bit when it talks I find I have to do a lot of gesturing with my fronds to get anyone to okay so it's more understand. of a fern I, I feel like he looks like one of those um, the Mario Piranha plants that's how I kind of picture him oh, <laughs> I think he's kind like of like a potted too. daisy yeah, I picture like a potted daisy. Oh, sure. I was sure. picturing a succulent, so yeah, I think we need an actual description because I was picturing <laughs> like, you know, like three inches tall, including the pot. Well, Fran, I was, Fran was, I was imagining just like a super low budget thing that just kind of like shakes a little bit when he talks. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're, we're talking a, a dashboard daisy with a, a <laughs> little <laughs> solar. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I think this is the way. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be something like that. I want to say the pot's probably about six inches across. You know, maybe, you know, eight inches a plant. Something that's, you know, substantial enough where it's not just a three-inch succulent sitting on a desk. Cause I, don't, I would say you could probably... Right, but it doesn't need to be big either. No, you could be handled with one hand. Um, oh, yeah. Probably, probably in a six or eight-inch pot, but not, not too big. Um, but yeah. Hondo... Hondo will okay. start coughing and I <coughs> got and he'll grab uh, the potted plant and leave the cave. Okay, you get uh, to the opening of the cave. Um, you don't see Rovin or Malek, but what you do see is the top of this mountain explode. 
and cascading rock and dust comes flying down the mountain and a big burst of molten lava bursts through the top of this mountain. Now, it's, a volcano. It's, not, it's not a straight slope down. It's rather craggy and rocky. So there are these large spire-like rock formations in periodic locations down this mountainside. But other than that, it's, it's, I wouldn't call it rough terrain unless you are dashing full sprint down this thing. Then, yeah, you could probably lose your footing on this loose rock. Uh, no, I think that Hondo would just kind of make, like, big bounding steps and jump from spot to spot if he could. Um, yeah, he's more of a power walker. Right. The closest substantial spire formation stands about 40 feet above the slope, and it's 150 feet away from you. So as you're making your way towards down the bottom, do you want to go on top of this thing or continue down? Um, can he do a quick like perception or something um, to see if there is any... Because he knows that this is kind of like... A, there's been a lot of zombies around and stuff like that, so... You're still... You're, you're quite a bit up on this mountain. I would say it's like a quarter mile down to the flats where you see most of the horde is in the center of the flat and kind of making its way across. So, like Minas Tirith, you know, if yeah. you're looking out across those flats, they're at least a quarter mile, maybe half mile away from you. Okay. Um, and this is just kind of like another spire that I could potentially ho hope would be safe from the explosions and the volcano activity. Just as you turn to survey and you look back up at the top, there is a second explosion. And it's maybe half the distance between you and the actual peak of the summit. As more lava comes splashing out of this second and the whole top is now starting to crumble and you see massive sections of rock just giving way. Okay. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, uh, we're trying to move. <laughs> Uh, down and away <laughs> as fast as we can. Okay. I would say both of you, which one has the higher passive perception? I will let Dave and John. Does, wait, well, who? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hondo and Sir Delamrook. Which of I you have, has the higher passive? I have a 15. Same. Okay. Both of you hear something. Can it plant here? I guess it can. I am, I am allowing Dave all of his faculties. <laughs> if he can talk about a pair of lungs, he should be able to hear Good without point. ears. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, you hear something that starts off like a whistle. can he love? <laughs> without a heart. <laughs> uh, it starts off as like a very high-pitched whistle, but it's faint. And then you hear, it's it's not one pitch, it's several that are harmonizing. And three dark specks start to descend from the clouds above you. And they start getting closer and you see some movement, almost these figures are on something and there's fabric like flowing behind them. Wait, they're on something. Like they're on something, on something, or just like on something. <laughs> well, you don't on know. Top of something. They, they are, riding. Yeah. Ah, yeah. 
I, I knew I had to be an ass. Well, they might be on something. From here, you can't tell. Until they seem to zig and zag and then beeline directly towards you. And you see them as they get closer to be three humanoid figures. One's rather humanoid figures. One's rather rotund, one is rather thin, and the other one has a big purple hat. And you see three hags riding broomsticks swirl over your head and land on a decent-sized boulder, big enough by a 15-foot diameter chunk of rock. Sisters, <laughs> we've made it! Where's my recipes? Oh, yes. Well, oh, there's two of them. Oh, this will be great. And you see the one hag, big ward on her nose, and a big purple pointed cap. You see one sister, rather skinny, with straight blonde hair, very fair skin, and purple eyes. And then you see the third one, the rotund one, basically shrouded in black lace. And you can see her hands are shriveled in gray and a veil covering her face as well. Um, And they address you. Dear travelers, you seem to be in a bit of trouble. We are the Triag, agents of the Troll King of Scrag. We believe you may need some help <laughs> from us. Oh, I don't think they're going to be too much trouble, but the lava might. Uh, Hondo is kind of like he has his sword in the one hand. I think it's. I think that my vicious greatsword is a two-handed weapon, though. So I have a potted plant and a gigantic sword in the other. And he's just kind of like looking at them oddly. Uh, Honda the Immortal needs no help. <laughs> Even though the volcano is exploding to right, As like another explosion <laughs> happens <laughs> behind <laughs> you, right? And he like docks in. <laughs> I can assure you we mean no harm. Oh no, I'd never touch a single petal. We have tracked you. I believe you have our book. Uh, Hondo looks at the Necronomicon <laughs> and um, also remembers that in his pocket he has some very, very not good cupcakes. <laughs> um, and uh, are you talking about this? It's All the food is foul from it. Well, of course it is. <laughs> we designed it that way. Besides holding some of our family trade recipes, we designed this book to be a tracing agent of evil. For you see, we might have curious agendas. <laughs> but we are not evil. We were hoping that whoever had this book may give us some insight as how to push back these forces. I see now it is in your hands. How did you come by this? 
Um, How do you say we stole it off a dead guy without really saying we stole it off a dead guy? I mean, Hondo would just be like, I killed a man for it, of course. <laughs> well, you must be very strong. I am willing to make you a deal. We can take you and your leafy friend out of this place. But you must give me my recipes. Yeah, and seriously, these ladies do not know how to cook, okay? They could use all the help they can get. I'll give you the book if you give me at least three bottles of booze. Why don't you hop on my broom? I've got a drink right here. And she pulls out a, um, a flask. It's, it's a, like a, not an alcohol flask, it's like a potion flask. Okay. Uh, Hondo kind of like stumbles over really quick, puts his sword back in the scabbard, pops the cork off of it, sniffs it, gives it the old sniff test. <laughs> it smells sweet, but then it has that back end where you can tell there's some alcohol to this. There's an intoxicant agent in this. The second the alcohol is noticed, he, he's drinking it. Excellent. Give the book to my sister. Uh, yes. He, he, he and has the plant like, as well. He has the booze like hat in it, in one hand. Um, he throws the plant, the potted plant that is Sir Delam Rook, to throws the. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, throws roll, it. Roll dexterity. <laughs> Wait, which one? The one who can actually. He threw. Well, or I guess throwing is strength, right? No, it's it's dexterity. It could be either. It okay. could be either. Yeah. Um, Wait, if he's doing it like a are, are shot, we, is this Yeet or Kobe? <laughs> it's a lob, right? A general lob. You don't have to be very strong yeah. for that. Yeah, just kind of a, a toss. Uh, and I rolled a fourteen for that. Okay, so at least it's in the ballpark. <laughs> this old lady, this old hag, covered in black lace shroud, is instinctively with her blind sight snatches the pot with one hand snatches the book with the other hand yeah and Hondo does this all while like chugging whatever the other hag gave him come sisters we can talk more airborne <laughs> and you start circling up above and indeed you see this entire mountain what was the peak is crumbled away now and tons of lava is starting to explode out of it and even off towards the horizon you start to see other mountain tops also exploding with this lava um, the entire area is seismic and the maelstrom that is in the center of everything is just crackling with lightning and this purple energy. And just as you're taking up, you hear something, somebody, and you turn around off the broom as the intoxicant starts to swirl through your head and you see two figures, a halfling and a tiefling, 
running down the side of this mountain, fists in the air, shouting something at you, but you can't quite make it out. And the hag that you're sitting with, Gladys, she turns to you and says, how are you feeling? Roll me a constitution check. Okay, um, now, because Hondo is supposed to be permanently drunk, I wasn't sure how we really played that. Um, this doesn't sound like it's just alcohol. Right. Okay, hold on, let me get to my thing. It's a 15, I think. I think. I can't tell what it actually ended up being because I can't go back and forth. Yep. Yep. 15. That's pretty good. Um, but you turn to look at Gladys, and her eyes seem to sparkle. And she says, I've been working on my filters for quite some time. I, I do hope uh, you're enjoying it. And you, uh, you are in love with this hag. You, I mean, yeah. she's got a pretty face. It's a love potion. This is a filter of love. Hondo hucks the empty flask uh, like behind him and starts rifling through her stuff for another one. <laughs> oh, please, don't worry. We have plenty of time. This only lasts for an hour. Why don't you enjoy it while you can? And uh, you regard her as your true love while you are charmed for this hour. Um, <laughs> so she starts making out with you. She just grabs you and she's just <laughs> sucking face while the three of you in formation and Griselda is with Sir Delenbrook and she says, What is your name? I'm Sir Delamrook of the Obsidian Order, Knight of the Raven Queen, and currently a Petunia. <laughs> you sound wise for a plant. You must have strong roots. Wise for a plant? Probably average for a human. Foolish for what I really am. Well, it's all relative, I suppose. Well, I will be able to change you back to your human state. But I cannot do it right now. Things are too dangerous in this place. Only things that are imbued with magic retain their initial state. Casting new spells while in this space is going to create catastrophic randomness. Normally that's my thing, but it's a little of an inopportune moment, you see. Normally I would be in a little more of a hurry to change back, but I can understand the need for discretion. I've dealt with this lack of agency for a while, I suppose another few hours to days can't really hurt. I can take the long view on things. That is a relief. Plus, I don't think my conversation has ever been so stimulating before. 
Oh, no. Yep. That's the problem. You've been talking to young people too much. I should talk to more plants. <laughs> Who are people? <laughs> Sisters, it's going to be quite a flight. Better put on your goggles. And you see each of them have like these sort of, you know, old-timey fighter pilot, you know, glass lens goggles. Of course they do. And yes. uh, you are whisking off into the sky, headed west past the mountain range to reconvene with the Troll King of Scrag. And we just left uh, Toss Bottom. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were they were yelling something at you. You couldn't quite make it out. But uh, yeah, the chaos that is the Crucible Lands slowly fading behind you as smoke and, and sort of a cloudiness, a haziness is, is the horizon in front of you um, as the sun is slowly setting. It gets darker and darker. And that's where we are going to switch scenes to our other party. The monster party, for, for those who need to listen, they follow episode 81. Uh, quite a just raucous event led by John as the DM. What a wonderful time. We're very happy to revisit these characters. They were tasked. It was the it was it was to say it was the Halloween special that ended up going until Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> right, there was like six full episodes of that, wasn't there? I think it was eight actually. Yeah. It oh was my supposed God. to be two. It was supposed to be two, but I. <laughs> so I am. You know, we well, we got no, a little if, carried if away. If we had to go back and do it again, we would do it all over again. Yeah, no, those episodes are amazing. I'd make it sixteen. I am honored now to pick up exactly where they left off. The monster party was tasked with um, raiding a human caravan to secure food stores for the growing Troll King forces, which were now having to um, ally in order to push back the undead uh, that was Yeah, you know, Yeah, so they essentially allied with the lands. humans. Like the banners were raised, um, and now humans and monstrous races are fighting together for the first time. In well, yes, you were successful with your food store robbery. <laughs> and you um, had reconvened with General Stonehoof, the orc commander of the monster race forces. And just as you had made contact with them, the humans, elves, dwarves, all of the other allied races of the region joined you as thousands upon thousands of undead had been pouring into what is known as Wolf's Head, further south than Scrag. Scrag had been completely deserted, and you found yourself right at the edge of this roaring battle that is about to take place. General Stonehoof uh, addressed you. We must move south. Gather our forces. We cannot fight here. That's my best John impression. I was impersonating uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah. Michael Clark Duncan. For yeah, some reason, I always confuse him. Michael Clark Duncan and Kevin Michael Richardson. I think it's the three names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what happened was, you had encountered a little girl 
while you were on this um, this this robbery mis- mission, and you were joined by goblins, uh, half Tom vegan. Uh, you were joined by the Hobfather, Brando. And now you find yourself in, in a different party. Um, you had encountered this little girl, though, and she had with her a little mouse with a tutu on. A mouse named Gregory, right. who <laughs> used to belong to another party member, the young kid Biff. Oh, my God. I forgot about the mouse with the tutu. And it's still a pinned <laughs> post in our episode talk channel is the, is the picture that Massimo put up in there. Oh my so God. where we last left off, half Tom Fegan attempted to steal the mouse from the little girl and a human you were with named Bev also took an interest. She wanted the mouse and the little girl was reluctant to give it up. My daddy brought this back for me after a flying box killed my uncle Steve. <laughs> Out of nowhere, Liger thrusts his hand into the bunch of them, retrieves the mouse, yeah. and shoves it down his mouth. Oh. Yum. Oh, my God. Oh, the, oh, oh, chewing sounds. <laughs> <laughs> That mouse was my only friend. I named him Whiskers. And you killed him. Sorry. Sorry, you're such a loser. Um, I was hungry. Damn you for taking him from me, you... You monsters! You look pretty delicious, little girl. I'm gonna eat you next. She starts to scream and wail. And it draws the attention of an orc uh, in the midst. I'm not going to make any introductions, but let's just say all parties for Gobwinkler and Liger and our other player, (laughs) Andrew, (laughs) are within earshot. This girl is screaming. Absolutely, like, face beat red, arms out to the side. And you see, I mean, as things are happening, there's elves, there's dwarves, there's humans, there's hobgoblins. There's fighting happening, right, yeah. And and, and the meat of it is, like, a few hundred feet away. You are still sort of at the edge where the provisions were being distributed. General Stonehoof has gone off into the battle. And Um, what do you want to say? I was going to say, you said this little girl is screaming in terror. I remember last time when I played Gobwinkler, I had misread my character sheet, right? And I thought that the Arcano mechanical armor that he has was Arachno (laughs) mechanical armor. (laughs) So he's like in like a spider suit, essentially, like a metal like spider like like machine thing that's like carting me around. So I'm not actually walking like this thing is walking me around. Like Like Wicka Wicka Wild Wild West. (laughs) so (laughs) so this girl's screaming in terror and now I'm gonna come skittering in to see what the hubbub is about because I see Liger about to eat a small child Wickawild as you're approaching her and the rest of this group 
you see from somewhere in the fog off above the the just the utter sounds of battle of clanging and, and thrashing and screaming you see a swirling green energy swirling green energy it pulses and streaks through the air and then you see this arc as it descends striking the little girl in front of you and knocking her back 20 feet as her body just rolls along the ground oh goodness you see wisps of green smoke rising off green green smoke (laughs) rising from her motionless body and slowly she begins to stir and stand to her feet. And she turns to you. The girl's eyes are glowing green. They burst into flames. Green flames? That's the one. <laughs> she continues to scream. <laughs> As her body begins to slowly lift off of the ground. She's consumed by the flames. And her flesh begins to burn away into cinders, leaving only a rotted skeletal form. And then the surrounding humans and creatures stop in awe. Their eyes begin to glow green, and their skin begins to shrivel into their faces. She floats above the ground in front of you, and it begins to quake and tremble all around, her body twitching and convulsing. And a chasm starts to split on the upper side of the mountain, circumventing all the way around the girl and all the way around behind you. You find yourselves in roughly 120 feet by 120 feet. As the chasm crack begins to split and you see humanoids and goblins falling into this massive crack as it just keeps widening and getting deeper and deeper. I was going to say, Zach, don't do it. I see you smiling as soon as you said that they were falling into the crack. Don't do it. I mean, the joke has already been made. People are falling into a massive crack that's being spread wider and wider and wider. <laughs> <laughs> it's a ring around your rosy. <laughs> so, at this point, you hear the, yeah! <laughs> Swooping down are the two hags and Griselda pulls her book out and caresses the plant as now Sir Delam Rook begins to sprout armor and limbs and a head and the leaves just kind of decay and fall off of you the pant, the potted bottom just cracks and breaks off of you Hondo, you are slightly delirious, but you have regained your senses after making out with this hag for about three hours. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. The potion whoa, whoa. is only for an hour. He just made <laughs> yeah. out with it for the extra two. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't much else to do on the flight. <laughs> um, and she did supply you with another one. So you now have a filter of love. I'm not, I'm not sure if she supplied it or he just found it and drank it again. I mean, you're on a broom. It'd be kind of hard just to yeah. root around in her bag without her knowing it. Well, she's... Well, yeah, that's that's what she, he was doing. I doubt she cared <laughs> <laughs> from the general vibe she was putting out there. 
So the two of you are deposited as this girl is now like turning to look at the humanoids surrounding her. Uh, there's about six of them who are left in front of you. The other ones had fallen into the crack as well as a lot of the um, soldiers who are in the surrounding areas. Um, the three hags uh, then reconnect above and head off straight into the fog above the battle. And but we're like stranded on like some like 120 foot like 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 almost a crag that is now like lifting out of the ground. Is it like lifting out or is it just separating? Um, the soil that you're on lift and separate. The soil that you're on has been relatively untouched. It's 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 everything uh, surrounding this area surrounding the girl. And I have a little surprise for you guys. Let's roll. You have let's surprise. roll initiative. You're a bastard man. <laughs> bastard man. <laughs> and this is the surprise. We're going to go digital analog. Oh, nice. All right, what does Bill have in store here? What's going on? Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We got a visual. Oh, my goodness. We have a right. visual. Amazing. Well, and I'm going to focus Phil's Phil, screen. I love you. Yep. Uh, for the audience, Phil has laid out minis on his web camera, and I'm going to take a picture of this now and put it in our Discord. Uh, this is an experiment. I could do this in theater of the mind, but I thought this might be fun. You've got it's, it, yeah, let's, let's test it. Rubble, rubble, a wagon, logs, a big log. These are trees, rather small trees, but they might offer a little bit of cover. And then you've got rocks. So just to be right, clear, so this just, is this is like the the dark ring at the bottom yes. of the chasm that's opened. Well, now is is the chasm continuing is, to spread? Everything, yes, Every around the outside of this perimeter has all fallen away. Oh, oh, okay. We are, yeah, we are on the undisturbed so like, piece of land. This is this is like a plug in the middle of this deep chasm. A massive. It's, it's, it's more like yeah. It's more like everything around us yeah has fallen away, and now we are the plug. We are on the plug. All you're, right. You're in the center of uh, the uh, button. So, the enemy rolled fifteen plus five. Is the twenty. Oh, shoot. So enemy goes first. So, on one side of this platform if you want to call it it's it's 120 by 120 roughly so a big enough space um, to encompass a few trees uh, several large rocks a wagon that had just been unloaded um, next to some rubble um, various uh, tree limbs on the ground uh, but typically sloped ever so slightly it's it's the the bottom side of a, of a mountain ridge almost into like what would be the valley type area. Um, beyond this 120 feet is the massive gap. It's, it's a huge chasm that is breaking apart all around you, creating just this platform in the center. Um, off further downhill, you can hear the, the rabble of enemies fighting in the distance. Um, and there's just multitudes of foot 
holds and explosion sounds and you hear the cackling of the witches as they are circling above and through the fog you see massive fireballs that are being lit off periodically into the hordes behind the front lines of the undead and what gotcha it looks like we're looking at some enemies here, though. On yes. This, uh, platform. On this platform, there are six zombies that were just turned by this little girl who is now a vengeful spirit. And she is small in, in stature. She didn't grow at all. She just looks like a rotted skeletal form covered in tatters, and she is wreathed in green flame. Green, green flame. flame. Yeah, we're going to do that a lot. Is she is she, <laughs> is she floating? Uh, is she still airborne? Right now, she's only like two feet off the ground. Okay, so just levitating. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. And all six of these zombies are starting to shamble towards you. They're still 50, 80 feet away. Some of them, they are just now moving in your direction, but they don't have a very, very fast movement speed anyways. But it is their turn, so they're moving towards us. Okay. And then you see this girl uh, slowly floating towards Liger with her finger out. <laughs> oh, Liger, you done fucked up now. You ate the mouse. Uh, so oh, no. You are, you are at one edge of this disc, and now all of the enemies have pretty well clustered themselves right smack dab in the middle. And she looks at you, and she goes, I want my friend back. And I need you to roll a constitution save at disadvantage. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. At disadvantage? Yes. That means I rolled two and I... I Wait, you rolled two with disadvantage, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. right. You can take the lower. Constitution save. That is 24. Eat it. No way. What? What you got? <laughs> yeah, 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 what you got? You feel a regurgitation. Your stomach starts oh. to move. With 24 constitution save? You're not taking any damage. But you regurgitate a small yeah. red bloody pulp falls out of your mouth <laughs> and it lands a few feet in front of you and it begins to pulse. And very much um, Stranger Things, uh, when all the rats exploded and conjoined into one big uh, monster. Rat King. This yeah. is starting to okay, pulse, and with each pulse, it's growing larger and larger. It seems like the flesh is starting to split and divide and grow naturally amongst itself. It no longer has any shape resembling a mouse. It starts to grow larger and larger, the size of a dog, the size of a tiger. This is just looking. This is just looking more and more delicious to Liger, Silver Slaughter. Right <laughs> he's like, all my food. His food turned into more food. You see, he's like, wow. Four appendages start to extend out of the central mass, a stalk growing off from the top where the head comes out, and then bursting through the back are two large wings. And what it solidifies into as the nails protrude from the claws, as the teeth protrude from the mouth, and the 
pits where the eyes are just sink back into the skull. It looks like a bat without any skin. And it is just muscle and skeletal bat with massive claws, massive hind legs. And the ears stick out. You can see the ears still. Are, are there, is there skin on, is there skin on the wings? Because bat wings are like mostly skin. There, right? There is. Um, it, it looks like this thing can fly. Okay. Does it still have the tutu on? Nothing is left of the tutu. <laughs> the tutu was devoured. Damn it. And this thing rolls on the ground as it gains its senses and rolls back to the little where she proceeds to climb on top of it. And that is the enemy's turn. She is now riding on top of this bat that is, I'm trying to think something of suitable size like a rhinoceros size. Like it's it's a big body with big massive wingspan, about 20 feet wide. But it's all just like flesh and yeah. muscle. And like, yeah, gross. And she, you see her pet its head. That's better. And it is now Andrew's turn. Andrew the orc. You were hiding behind some barrels or some other stuff. I was gonna say, I don't think any of us have seen Andrew the orc yet at all. Yep. And, and you just answered my question there, which was whether or not he was hidden currently, so or whether or not I was hidden currently. So, um, how far away is Andrew from this little girl and her pet? 50 feet. 50 feet, okay. So you've got some barrels, uh, a large rock uh, might offer some cover, and then some logs, which might also offer some cover. Yeah, so Andrew's gonna gonna kind of sneak along, uh, twenty feet towards the little girl, staying hidden behind the assortment of like rocks and logs that are over there. And if I can uh, get twenty feet closer to her in that distance, uh, Andrew is then going to lift up his his throwing star. <laughs> um, you know, because he's an assassin, so he definitely has a throwing star. And this throwing star is 200 pounds and carved out of a boulder. And he's going to two-handed huck it over his head at the little girl. Excellent. Roll the attack. 15? No, wait, sorry, I was looking at the wrong number. 16. The 16 does not hit. But it does hit the bat. It sinks, it sinks just a little bit. She's riding on top of this thing. And what's the damage on that? Uh, that depends. Is the bat also uh, surprised? Does <laughs> that I count think, as a sneak attack the on the bat? I think the bat because it just gained consciousness. Okay. It's a lot of, say that's a lot of dice. It's not that many dice. It's not like a Boris amount of dice. Oh, wait, there's another D4 that needs to be in there. Wait, that wasn't a D4. D4. Hang on, I rolled an extra D6. Yeah, it's, there's a plus one D4 damage on the throwing star that I missed there. Oh, okay. Right, of your yeah. Well, that didn't add anything. 31. 
Awesome. Oh, plus, oh yeah, no, that's included already. 31. 31 what? Uh, bludgeoning damage. Yeah, you definitely cracked this thing. Now you have its attention. And the girl as well, you see the two green eyes beam over to where this massive rock shuriken came flying from. Beautiful. And I believe uh, I, I also, as Andrew, get uh, I have the aggressive action from being an orc. So I'm going to then run up to where my rock is on the ground. And uh, how, how high above the ground is this bat right now? The bat is on the ground. The bat is on the ground. It, Perfect. It, it literally rolled back to this little girl and she has just climbed onto its back. So I'm then going to use my extra attack to pick up that same boulder and crack it in the head in one big, you know, action, like just grabbing it and smashing it in the face, like from the chin up. Excellent. Roll that attack. Oh, that's much better. A uh, 28. That will hit. And I'm sorry, did you say you were hitting the girl or the bat? The bat. Okay, great. Again. No sneak attack on this one, though. Yeah, but I still get the plus 1d4 on this. Yep. Oh, pff. Uh, nine damage. Wonderful. So you can see my pointer, that's Andrew. That's the baddie. That's a zombie. It is weird, my camera is inverted. So looking on the screen, everything's backwards. Like <laughs> what's right next to me. So I have to make sure. <laughs> it looks good though. Okay, next we have Sir Dellum Rook. You are now whole once again. Yes, and since this is the first time he's been seen in the prime material plane, he looks slightly different from when uh, our audience may have last, air quotes, seen him. In the Shadowfell, the full uh, curse upon Shatter Kai is um, apparent to all, and he looks exactly his age, all 950 some odd years. That sort of thing doesn't apply in the Prime Material Plane, and Shatter Kai all look like elves in their prime. Specifically, he looks kind of somewhere between, you know, Celeborn from uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, maybe with a little bit of Trevor Lawrence, like just, you know, long, blonde, gorgeous hair, and, you know, relatively youthful elven appearance. He still, however, sounds exactly like himself. So, this is what we're doing today. Fair enough. Uh, let's see, and we're gonna start with, um, as a... Oh, which one do we want to use? I've only been thinking about this for, you know, several turns and still haven't been able to pick the right one out, but, um... <laughs> yeah, we're going to... Oh, let's see, spells, and that is a bonus action, correct? Yes, it is. Okay, we are going to place, uh, a hex upon uh, upon the main target, the uh, girl. So we'll cast Hex as a bonus action. Let's see, do I have to declare? You have to, de you have to declare the ability score you are hexing. Yeah, no, I just wanted to make sure that I didn't have to call it Relentless or Maddening, but that's something I use later on it. So yeah, we're gonna put this on Intelligence. I'm going to assume that this is a caster, and then maybe it's right and maybe it isn't. We're going to call this the Intex. 
Now remember, we fucked up with the ruling of Hex. It doesn't actually affect saving throws or anything like that. That's why I had to like make up an Eldritch Invocation for Felix to have it affect saves. It only affects ability checks. No, normally. And Sir Delamrook is going to walk, let's see, we're going to call that about 5, 10, maybe 15 feet diagonally forward and to his left, putting himself, you know, about halfway, um, there, um, about 10 feet further to the left of that, so pretty much right dead center of the action there, yeah. Yep, you're aiming Good. right at that looks good. So that kind of movement, and I'm in a nice central visible place, you know, befitting a heavy plate armored tank as I am. And um, let's see, I can cast a cantrip in a leveled spell, correct? That's how it works, I believe. Um, yeah, we're just going to Eldritch Blast. Right on. And as a level 12, I want to say I get three of those. Plus seven, let's see, we've got a two plus seven, that's a nine against armor class, against the girl. That does not hit. That won't ever do it. But hey, you know, we gotta do our due diligence, a 19 against AC. The 19 hits. And then also a 14 against AC. 14 will not. All right, so that is 1d10, and that gives us a whole two force damage. Okay. And the hex was on what ability again? Uh, that is against it. Okay. You did hit her though, so you get the extra necrotic damage from the yes, hex. Yes, it's um, 1d6 necrotic. Yeah, there it is. Sorry, I'm... this spell book isn't exactly the same as I'm used to here on roll 20, so I missed some things. Let's see, oh, that's the full six off of that at least. Cool. Um, let's see, surprisingly, not, not immune to necrotic. It could be just because of her nature. She is a vengeful spirit and the body is still technically animated. So I don't, I'm reskinning something. And as much as I want to call it undead, she is not immune to necrotic. Interesting. Cool. All right, that's All right. Sir Della. That's my action economy. Okay, yep. Liger. All right, Liger thinks this thing looks really, really delicious. Um, he <laughs> <laughs> really wants to just start eating it. Um, but it's big, so obviously he's going to, as a uh, berserker barbarian, go into rage mode to help his efforts. Mm-hmm. Um and again, as a berserker barbarian, he's going to use intimidating presence. He's going to take out his uh, extra large bib to prepare himself for this meal. <laughs> Is there anything written on the bib? Tie it around his neck. Um, it says anything at all, because that's what he eats. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, what should be what should be on the bib? I mean, it could be it just, just says, everything no. is food. <laughs> no, no, no. It, on the bib, it says the word you. <laughs> I, I like the bib that says Pobody's Nerfect. <laughs> Pobody's Nerfect. <laughs> I'm always a fan of that one. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Wait, Something what is that from- a reference to? 
Well, it's in an episode of Archer, but it's nobody's nerfect is nobody's perfect with a misspell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the scooter is nobody's um, perfect. I think that was also one is that one of William Murderface's tattoos. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, the bib just says you on it. And uh, oh yeah, <laughs> that, is, that is inspired. He wrote it, right? <laughs> with a fork and yeah, knife, it, you know. <laughs> yeah, with a fork and knife crossed like a, you know, like a like a Jolly Roger, and uh, it's written with uh, blood, obviously. Of course, of course, <laughs> wonderful. And I'm sure it's a little stained around the collar. Yeah, a little stained. <laughs> so you are intimidating presence. I'm intimidating presence uh, as an action. Frighten one creature in 30 feet for one turn. If it fi- oh, am I within 30 feet? Uh, it looks like you are exactly within 30 feet. Not quite. You're about 35. You'd have to physically move forward. I will physically move forward and use intimidating presence. That's the minimum. I moved you up a little bit. There we go. So what do I do? Save? Uh, wisdom save. 16 plus 3, 19. Oh, that sucks. Shit. That's not good. No. Uh, what is this? Alright, uh, you had to have an 11, so fuck. This little girl passes the save. She's not intimidated by a bugbear. No, I was trying to intimidate the actual beast. Oh, the beast? Yeah. Oh, well, I still rolled a 16 plus 1. 17, sorry. Well, shit. Keep moving, I'd say. Just move up the rest of the way. All right. Well, the bib is on, mm-hmm. and I'm in rage mode, and I'm salivating. Yeah, you can. So you can get right up in front of the bib. Watch the fuck bed. out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get within eating distance of the bat. <laughs> Very good. All right. Next, we have Gobwinkler. All right. Well, Gobwinkler has been surveying the battlefield here and you know I just thought I was about to come over here and try to defuse a situation and now we got another situation so first Cobblinker is going to start by casting as an action fly mm-hmm. on him, on himself I'd like to float kind of above uh, I'd like you to put me behind the cart but like floating just above yeah. it so that's about 50 something feet or so, or maybe just just around 60. That works. Yeah, from where you were, that's 60. Perfect. And then, I unfortunately have no good bonus actions to use right now, but I just wanted to position myself. So that's really actually all I'm doing this turn. Okay. You are airborne and quite, quite airborne. exposed. Hondo, we finally reach your turn. Um, how far am I from the collection of enemies? Your closest one is about 30 feet away. Okay. Um, now, when I... Because I have three attacks per action. Um, do I have to attack the same creature each time? Not if they're within five feet of each other. Am I able to hit multiple targets? Can I can I reach the giant bat thing? I would say if you move forward, you will be in range of the wing of this bat as it comes down, but you wouldn't be hitting the main body. You would still be hitting a wing. 
because that's the enemy in front of you. Yeah. That. So you, you can yeah you, uh, you kind of have a zombie between you and the bat. And I, I can't hit zombie and then bat twice. I think you can. I'm gonna give it to you. Uh, yeah. So um, Hondo again would pull out his vicious great sword, uh, march over to the zombie, and uh, with a 14 hit the zombie. Absolutely. So that's 2d6 plus 4 slashing. And I can re-roll 1s. So I'm going to re-roll one of the d6. It's still a 1. <laughs> oh, uh, so that's eight, the worst. 8 damage to the first zombie. Okay. And then I will use the other two attacks to hack at the wing um, of the bat creature. Ooh, nat 20! Wow. Yeah. All right, so first one's a nat 20, and the second one's a 25. Oh, both are going to hit. So it's 44 da- Forty-four total slashing damage. So he kind of hacks at the zombie, doesn't do a whole lot of damage, but then, like, really hacks into the wing of this bat creature um, with his vicious greatsword. And it screeches out in agony as this little girl riding on top of it has to readjust, and she looks down at you with these flaming green eyes. And green eyes. Flaming green eyes. <laughs> and that concludes your turn. Uh, I will, uh, as a reaction, just so you're aware, I can use. Um... Oh yeah, I'm gonna take the parrying stance. Okay, so that can, that can reduce an attack, right? Or reduce damage? No, it just gives me plus one ace to my AC for the, until the end of my next turn. Okay. Very good. All right, so we are back at the top of initiative. The bat creature is gushing this black ichor coming from these wounds, and it's steaming in this cool, foggy environment. You still hear the cacophony of of all the battle around you, and now these zombies are groaning at you, these these transformed elves and humans and dwarves. Um, Some of them armored, some of them are just kind of commoners. They were traveling with the rest of these forces trying to relocate, and you hear General Stonehoof shout from the edge of the chasm, you must fend them off. Give our forces time to reposition. And then you hear, Trick or treat, motherfuckers! (laughs) As a massive fireball explodes probably 200 (laughs) feet from you. And through the shadows of the mist and the fog, you can see parts of figures just flying through the air. And you hear that whistling sound as the witches circle over your head. And the little girl riding this now badly injured bat is looking down at Andrew the Orc and at Hondo and at Liger. And the wings begin to flap as she pulls back on the hair of this bat. And she says, your gods are dead. Soon you will join them. And that's where we're going to end this episode of our spooktacular special 2021. Part one. <laughs> part one. <laughs> and we'll try to make this I a like two-part. I like the, um, 
I like the juxtaposition between the phrase, uh, your gods are dead, you will join them, and the word spooktacular. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's a little uh, underrepresented. Well, also, trick or, <laughs> trick or treat, motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, we're, we're, we're doing a lot here. We're touching on a lot of different types of, uh, you know, emotional. <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> Well, this is an honor and a pleasure to be DMing again. And last time I didn't get to do much combat. So I told myself this time I'll write a little and we'll see where this combat goes. Um, I promise I won't drag it, drag it, drag it out. But thank you very much for listening. I will exit this episode by going back around the circle. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, we still. Whoa. I'm sorry. I'm getting out of turn. Oh, you're. Slow your roll, my dude. We have a whole lot of things oh, to oh, say. Oh, I forget the order of operations. Fran, I'll turn it over to you. Oh, really? I get to do it? No. You want me to do it? Yeah. I'll do you it. Can, I you can, can edit, it. too. Hey. <laughs> hey, listen. Hey, listen, everybody out there in radio podcast land. Uh, if you like us, you can find us on the internet. We're on such places as Twitter and Instagram. Just look for at Hapless Heroes. We're also on Facebook and Reddit. Look for Hapless Heroes Podcast. But really, truly, if if you really want to like talk to us or interact with us, those places will actually really just serve to direct you to where we consider our crown jewel of our internet presence. And that is our Discord server, where we have are constantly having conversations with our wonderful audience. I think we've actually surpassed over a, just about 100 listeners at this point. You know, like essentially 100 members of this Discord server who are not us, uh, and, or any people that you know, like we we know from as far as like you know who are part of the show. Um, we're just so grateful to have so many wonderful and amazing people in there, just talking about all kinds of things. Your D and D characters asking for like advice because you're about to GM a game, or you know, we're talking about things completely outside of the world of D and D, but are, that are just as entertaining. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, we encourage you guys to join us. Come be a part of the conversation and you know really kind of just continue to make it the lively community that it is but if you really really like us we'd love it if you left us a five-star review on the podcast service of your choice we're not even sure who lets you leave reviews anymore but if your podcast service allows you to do so please we'd really appreciate it um you know as far as we're we know it really just kind of helps us grow in the rankings gives more people to listen to the show or if you just want to say something nice news we like to acknowledge you we also have a five-star channel in our Discord server, and you can also email us at hapoceos at gmail.com, and we'll read it on air and tell you how much of a five-star community we think you are. And speaking of which, we actually uh, have a have a new one. Um, the wonderful and lovely Ten Soul writes us on Discord saying, you know, there's not really a lot that can be said about this that hasn't already. But I just want to say this podcast has been a fun reintroduction to D&D Let's Play after a few years off. Picked it up just to get familiar with the game again and the flow and just had to say for the it just had to stay for the story and camaraderie from all the players the fact that dave and fran can jointly make a story and pick up where the previous left off while still doing their own thing is inspiring to someone trying to throw a homebrew together it's become a weekly staple of my work listening and now i get the tension of cliffhangers in a week and waiting a week for the next episode the only thing better than the podcast might be the community even as a lurker it feels nice that if you try and enter and you will be greeted warmly this podcast and its crew doesn't deserve five stars they deserve the highest of five stars. Thank you, Ten Soul. You're an awesome five-star human yourself. Now, if you really, really, really like us, you could donate to our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash heroes, peruse our reward tiers, see if there's anything there that suits you or, you know, fits your fancy, 
it really helps us. Um, again, any of the money you donate helps us just kind of, we just put it back into the show. We pay our hosting costs, you know, we replace faulty equipment as those things come up. It's just been an absolute godsend to have you guys, you know, essentially sitting here and supporting the show in the ways that you have. Um, we've been able to, to really kind of up the quality as, as much as we possibly can because of your hard-earned donations. So we really, really, really appreciate it. And if you like us, right now, you like us, Sally Field, and the whole deal. Uh, we want you to improve uh, upon the the PR of razor blades around this time of year. I think they get a bad rap. And uh, to help that out, uh, we want you to make uh, a new candy that's a little gummy candy. Uh, make them in the shape of gummy razor blades. And uh, uh, they'll be Hapless Heroes brand yummy gummy razor blades. And the um, mascot on the bag will be uh, an esophagus that's bleeding out, and its catchphrase will be, "This was this was Fran's idea." No, what? <laughs> I wish I wish we could screenshot everyone's face palm the entire time Zach is doing. This. It'll be great. a bleed. It'll be a bleeding esophagus <laughs> that is smiling and it has a little speech bubble, and it says, "This was Fran's idea." I do not support this. You're a real bastard. <laughs> That's all I got. Good night. You had me at yummy gummy. <laughs> yummy gummy fruity tooty razor blades. <laughs> Please, Phil, take us away. Well, dear listeners, if there wasn't anything scarier than James trying to pronounce thaumaturgy... There you have it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. We do miss our dear friends James and Mike, and they will be joining us uh, in some episodes coming up soon. Um, but for now, I will outro our cast. Uh, starting from my right, we have Nicole playing Andrew the Orc. Shh. And to her right, we have Dave playing Sir Dillenbrook. Good night, everyone. To his right, we have Francesco playing Gob Winkler Greasy Bum. Goodbye. And to his right, we have John playing Hondo the Immortal. Until next time. And rounding out our cast, to his right, we have Zach playing Liger Silver Schleuder. I, I don't. I, I do not react well to losing my lunch. I want to eat this thing. <laughs> and my name is Phil very happily behind the dm seat once again thank you very much we'll see you next time bye 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 now <laughs> bye <laughs>